Welcome. Earth, along with me. Oh, gnarly. Oh, my God, I shot my eye out. These guys are 11. Reading Starfighter. Hasta la vista, baby. Hello, everybody. Welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And they say there's no crying in podcasting, but with the summer we've had, I think that's not true. (laughs) Never have been tears this summer. There's Patrick in podcasting, and there's plenty of crying in Patrick. (laughs) No, it's on my watch. So I guess we open this by uh, addressing the elephant not in the room, like because uh, uh, not everyone uh, may have uh, listened to our very special episode. Yes, the last when you last met the guys in Forty Going On Fourteen, Patrick was on the verge of being homeless. Josh was starting a new job. Mike was pretty much drunk all the time, and Joel was being haunted by a manchichi. <laughs> Yeah, so the good news for me, at least, is um, I found a home for my mother and I and found a home for my sister and her family. I am now in debt to my eyeballs, um, but it cost me way, way too much money, but I have paid for everything, got everybody settled. We are not homeless. None of us are, but separate. I hope you got your sister a very nice refrigerator box. (laughs) No comment. So that, yeah, that whole thing is over. So thank goodness. Thank you for Mm -hmm. anyone who reached out and thank you for all the help. Yep. And Josh, new job? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I have uh, started as a uh, in, uh, clinical intake specialist for uh, one of the backup centers for the National 988 Crisis Hotline. So if you are in the U.S. and you are having uh, trouble, uh, whether that's thoughts of suicide, mental health, etc., yeah, just text or call 988. It's uh, something that launched July 15th, so... Uh, Whole lot going on with it now. Still, kind of feels like we're building the plane while flying it. Mm. If you're not feeling, because this is also one more reason I can't commit suicide because then it would look bad on Josh's permanent record. (laughs) (laughs) If you're not feeling suicidal, you can get in touch and give us a call at seven zero eight now. Wrap. We won't pick up. You can leave us a voicemail. But that's a seven zero eight six six nine. Response, but yeah, nine seven zero eight six six nine nine seven two seven. I don't know how I feel about that transition. <laughs> Plus, I'm a, I'm on the committee for the American uh, Foundation for Suicide Prevention as well. So double whammy on us. And also, if you are suicidal, you can still call us. You don't have to not call us. Cor- yeah. Correct. I mean, I'm on the show every week. It would be exclusionary, Mike. You know, the suicidal can call us too. We have gone down a weird whole rabbit. Who trail knew that their comeback thing. show would be their last I can, show? Hey, I can make I can make these jokes. I'm suicidal, right? Isn't that how it goes? Oh boy! Hey, speaking of which, you can also join our Discord and join this fun. It's on the <laughs> join us link in the show. It's a notes. lot more upbeat. Trust me. Yeah, a lot Tons more. Tons of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I blew out an adenoid scoffing at that comment. Join us on Discord. We talk about all sorts of things. Talk about video games. You know, we pew, pew. talk. You know, I just went to the arcade this weekend. Saw the first. I've never actually seen a Halo arcade game before, but oh. Halo Fireteam Raven was pretty dang cool. And of course, the world's largest Pac-Man. But uh, there's all sorts of kind of like overweight. Yeah, oh. he's he's kind of like I gotta take better care of myself. Waka waka waka. <laughs> Why was he fat, fat Fozzie Bear there? <laughs> <laughs> He's Pac-Man. Waka waka waka. You know. Oh, okay. yeah, that's the noise he makes. 
Yeah, I guess you're. I guess As he you're sadly right. picked up a power pellet and ate it. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> walk, oh, walk. <laughs> dipped it in nacho cheese. Right. And, and okay, in the meantime, he hey. dipped it in ghost pepper. Uh, ah. <laughs> in the meantime, this show is about a league of their own. In case you are, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. we have a topic. Yeah, yeah, we've covered suicide, we've covered video games. Might as well cover the topic. It's not um, all us rambling. There is right. a topic. Yeah, we're talking about the original uh, 1992 movie of the League of Their Own up against the recent Amazon Prime. Yeah, Amazon yep. Prime 2022, 2022. show. Yeah. As for the question of the week, we don't have any, so we're just going to skip on that. But definitely follow the link in the show notes if you have any questions you'd like to ask us. It takes you to a Google form where I will get it in my inbox. That's not a dirty thing, though. <laughs> you were way too exuberant about that. I like it in your inbox. He, like, he likes the dirty inbox. Hey, who else thinks it's about that time? Oh, God, I think it was about that time about a month ago. <laughs> you got mail. music. Movies and TV. There'll be no sports on my watch. (laughs) All right. So this week, we're going with July 1st, 1992, the release of the first A League of Their Own. All right. Welcome back, everybody. So the first uh, bullet point in music is the number one song in the land, liked big butts and could not lie. Baby Bat Back. Baby Bat Back. In case you've been missing this. <laughs> there it is. Let me start over. The number one yeah. song in the land liked big butts and could not lie. Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-a-Lot topped the charts. My Much favorite better. cover of that song is the Jonathan Colton one. A, a good friend of mine went to a Sir Mix-a-Lot concert, and she said it is literally one of her favorite concerts of all time. She said it was so much fun. It was just like a giant party. Did you ever see the video of he was with like the Canadian Philharmonic Orchestra once? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not joking. I, okay, I will have to put this in the show notes now. Uh, it was like he was pl- saying Baby Got Back with a backup of a full symphony orchestra. Baby Got Back, eh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, an E minor. All right, yeah. moving on. End of the Road was released by Boys to Men on June 30th. It went on to win a Grammy Award and was named Billboard Song of the Year for 1992. And it's been the graduation theme for thousands of schools ever since. That song is a great song. It may have been the graduation theme for me back in like 93. <laughs> yeah, that song has been played at graduations over and over and over. Yeah. If you ever go to a wedding and they have that for their first dance, you know it's not going to last. No. Oh. Ouch. The only one worse is what? D-I-V-O-R-C-E. Maybe. All right. And finally, Stephanie Ann Sargent was an American musician who was in many punk bands as a teenager in Seattle. She was a lead guitarist and co-founder of Seattle punk rock band Seven Year Bitch. She played guitar on the band's debut record, Sick'em. Unfortunately, she was found dead in her apartment on June 28th, 1992. After consuming alcohol and using heroin at a party, she returned home and passed out on her back. She died of asphyxiation after vomiting, having failed to wake up. If uh, you're not familiar with Seven Year Bitch, uh, they're kind of like uh, kind of like L7, I guess is maybe a good a good close comparison as far as the the sound is concerned. Um, they're they're not bad. I I I dig a few of their few of their tracks. If you haven't checked them out, I'm All not right. familiar with them. Yeah, yeah, not either. But 
at least I know I won't have a lot of songs to listen to to catch up. I with was going to say I, I I'd never heard of them before this tweet. So well, she was just a guitarist, not the lead singer. Yeah, I mean, they 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 made more bands. They moved on. They kept going. They just got a different yeah. guitarist. Mm-hmm. But she was the one on the first album. Yep. All right. All right. Moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was A League of Their Own, which was on its way to grossing $107 million in the U.S. alone. Oof. Yeah, 92. That's quite a bit. Right? That'd be like 220000 though. <laughs> <laughs> Inflation, man. It's getting everything. <laughs> Fine. Finance not, may not be your thing, you know. Just his about to explode. He's like, "That's not how it works." <laughs> but so many things make so much sense about your situation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Adam G. Savani, born on June 29th, is an American actor and dancer known for playing Robert Moose Alexander III in the Step Up film series. His performance was praised by critics as the baddest nerd in movie history, and he received the Best Scene Stealer Award at the 2008 Young Hollywood Awards, which I guess is a thing. Good on him for the thing we didn't know about. And we don't have, so he's got it, we don't. I mean... I don't necessarily say I want it, but he's got it. Good on him? Yeah. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Philip Martin Rubenstein was an American film and television actor known for playing the role of Frank Falzone in the American sitcom television series Working Stiffs. Rubenstein, or Rubenstein, guest starred in numerous television programs including Barty Miller, Taxi, Remington Steele, The Jeffersons, Archie Bunker's Place, Elf, Who's the Boss, Hill Street Blues, and Silver Spoons. He appeared in films such as Mannequin, My Mom's a Werewolf, Tango and Cash, They Call Me Bruce, RoboCop 2, Star Trek for The Voyage Home, and Back to School. Rubenstein died on June 26th of heart failure at the age of 51. Those are uh, some interesting credits there. Uh, <laughs> and if you look him up, you definitely recognize him. RoboCop 2, <laughs> Star Trek for The Voyage Home, Archie Bunker's Place, My Mom's a Werewolf. And back to school. Back to school was such a great movie. There's some good stuff there. It's just it seems like there were some some definite uh there's a, he he's yeah. multi-genre, definitely. Yes. Now Working yeah. Stiffs, was that the one with Michael Keaton and um God, who was the other guy? The brother Ed, uh, Henry Winkler? No, no. No, that was, no they were they played this, this never Yeah, that was that was night night shift. Yeah. Um I'm looking it up because I'm James, yeah James Belushi and oh, uh, Jim? Michael Keaton Jim Belushi and Jim, no Jimbo no James Belushi no, and James Bel- James Belushi and Michael Keaton yeah he's right yeah Mike is right <laughs> no I'm, I'm just I was just why are you so the, distressed by that I was just lamenting that the, the wrong, about the wrong Belushi's and that's all like it was like yeah, yeah. Wait, I just looked it up and were you guys is... arguing whether it was James or Jim that that's the same person. Yeah, no, 100% it is. That's okay. why. I, that's one reason why I stopped, and the other reason was I started thinking about John. Yeah, I was going to say, no one mentioned John, so I don't understand what the argument's about. Jim <laughs> oh, Belushi, not James yeah. Belushi. Chuck and I can argue about literally anything. Yeah, just just pick a topic. I'll pick a side. I don't care. No John on my watch. We'll argue about that. Even when we're on the same side of an argument, we'll still fight about it. All right, so TV. <laughs> The top shows in the land were 60 Minutes, Roseanne, Home Improvement, and Murphy Brown. And it was 1992. Was it ever? Yeah. All right. So also, Bryant Jones was born on July 1st, 1991 in Camarillo, California. He was an actor on The Young and the Restless, 
a producer on God is Dead, and Rich's Hot Go-Go Boys Chasing the Sun. I'm not... I, I may... That might be a gay porn. That's another <laughs> weird Venn diagram there. I, I have questions. Yeah, there, there's a lot of... Yeah, uh, this guy's a nobody, but when I saw that title, I had to include this in the tweet. Yeah. <laughs> Rich's Hot Go-Go Boys Chasing the Sun. Colon chasing the sun. Colon chasing. It's actually a sequel to Solar Babies. That's the weirdness of it. (laughs) I mean, there there has to be like a series. Like, why else would there be a colon? Like, there's got to be Rich's Hot Go Go Boys. Like, you know, I don't know, playing playing beach volleyball or something. (laughs) Picking grapes. (laughs) Picking berries in a field. All right. So moving on to. Another one, born June 26, Jeanette Michelle Faye McCurdy is an American writer, director, podcaster, singer, and actress. McCurdy's breakthrough role as Sam Puckett in sitcoms I, Carly, and Sam and Cat earned her four Kids' Choice Awards, among other accolades. She has appeared in a number of other television series, including Malcolm in the Middle, Zoe 101, Lincoln Heights, VP, and Victorious. She released her debut single, So Close, in 2009. Her single, Generation Love, debuted at number 57 on the Billboard Hot Country Songs chart and then peaked at number 44. In 2017, she quit acting and decided to pursue a career in writing and directing. She wrote a one-woman show and a book titled The Acronym of the Week, which is I-G-M-M-D. I'm pretty sure that stands for I Got My Mom Dicked. (laughs) Describing her career as a child star. Wow. I'm not sure why. Is he close, Pat? No, Michael. He is not close. It's I'm glad my mom died. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was muted this whole time. Like, you were so close. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I was laughing so hard, but I was muted. No, you country. were so close. That is, that is actually, I'm glad my mom's dead. I'm glad my mom died. Describing her career as a child star and the abusive behavior of her mother, who died in 2013. In 2020, she began her podcast, Empty Inside, and uh, she's been in the news recently, too. Has she? What happened? Yeah, Uh, She's calling out, um, who was the guy who played the nerdy kid in Better Off Dead? Oh, you're talking about Curtis Armstrong? No. Oh, not Curtis. The the nerdy kid? Yeah, the one across the street. Oh, on. oh, that guy. Yeah, he, oh. he molested everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently um, that's Dan, Dan something. Dan Dan, uh, Dan, Schneider, Dan Schneider. Dan Schneider. Yeah. She she came Sorry. out with like a tell all or a statement about Dan Schneider. Yeah. Dan Schneider um, is, is kind of almost the, the Harvey Weinstein of, uh, of kids shows of, of kids shows. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And now and, and he's got a big thing up. for feet. If you watch all the all, all yep. the Nickelodeon stuff, there's feet everywhere. And iCarly had a recurring scene where they would draw faces on their toes and talk with their feet. And now I'm like, oh, God, this is gross. Yeah. Because the girls. Now that you know why that was that was that was ordered from the uppers. You're like, ooh. I know. I was like, ooh. Yeah. Dan Schneider, the kid from Head of the Class, the the fat nerd Uh, from Head of the Class. Yeah. And he he went on to be a very influential and powerful Nickelodeon producer. And yeah, he is the, the Harvey Weinstein of Nickelodeon. Huh, Which is not not some, not a badge you'd put on a jacket or a backpack. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, not... yeah, it's not a point of pride. Yeah, it, no, you're no, it's no longer a good thing to be compared to Harvey Weinstein or Dan Schneider. Like, apparently, yeah. He, oh, he's got the lovely complexion of Harvey Weinstein. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, fuck you, Dan Schneider. If all He's the greasy and sweaty at the same if time. If all the rumors that hundreds of people are saying are true, fuck you. Moving yeah. on from a very from a very wait, high wait, point. Wait, 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 wait. No, Joel, Joel. Yeah. You you found oh god, it's a YouTube link. I gotta shut that off. Um you found the video of the uh he put it up in the chat. Yeah, I saw it. Boys. <laughs> and I think I, I don't think I was too far off on my guess. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of tans and a lot of and a lot of banana hammocks in that video. I'm guessing. When I and watch that's it, gonna be in your search history forever now. Yeah. It already, I mean, it kind of already is. I mean, so. No chicks on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> Moving on to sports to get us the hell out of this tweet. On July 4th at Wimbledon, Steffi Graf won the fourth of her seven Wimbledon singles titles, defeating Monica Seles. The following day, Andre Agassi won the first of his eight Grand Slam singles titles, beating Goran Ivanisevic. I am so glad you have sports. Yeah, wasn't he on ER? (laughs) (laughs) I would have sprained my tongue trying to say that. (laughs) <laughs> well, I remember him actually playing, so and that, was, that was how it was pronounced. And then lastly, on June, on June 29th, the Oakland A's Dennis Eckersley set a record with his 26th straight save on his way to a 51-save season. He is one of only two MLB pitchers to have a 50-save season. Wow. Yeah, is Dennis Eckersley was, was pretty damn good. Yeah, he, he's in the Hall of Fame and everything. He, he's the only pitcher ever to have 20 wins as a starter and 50 saves as a, as a relief pitcher. Wow. All right, so what exactly is a save? Yeah. A save is when your team has the lead and, like, the, the pitcher's starting to get tired and, like, like let's say he's walked one or two batters or something and, and they've only got a one-run lead or, and you bring in the, the, the guy – the the closer and he strikes everybody out, makes them gets you know saves the game, whatever, and keeps and saves the win. That's called a save. So I'm actually glad I asked because it's if I were forced to guess, and this is kind of a baseball show, so it's also appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would not have guessed that. Good catch. Yeah. But yeah, so there's two two types of pitchers. Uh, there's there's starters and there's there's closers. Technically, there's three. There's there's mid. You know, if the starter blows up or whatever, does something horrible. There's you know guys in the middle, but they don't get a whole lot of action. They don't play every single game. But yeah, closers are the ones that can get the saves usually. And and, and like if they if they get the save, then the pitcher then gets the win. But say he goes in there and blows the save, and and suddenly the other team gets you know gets the lead, and then they come back and win. Well, then suddenly he would get the win, not the save, because he was the pitcher that was in the game when the when the win when the lead occurred, and the and the starting pitcher, even though he pitched like seven innings, just basically got nothing. He he got a doesn't get a win or a loss. That kind of sucks. Okay, yeah, but yeah, that's how like a pitcher can pitch like fifty games, but only have a record of like thirty and two or something like that, you know, because he didn't get he got a nothing on one game. Okay, that makes sense. Well, all right. Take us out, keyboard Joel. Say the sorry. thing. Yeah, sorry, I, I had to mute myself again because my because Lucy and Ricky decided they were going to have a WWE match behind me while I was talking. So, that 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 smooth giant silk and a giant dog and cat battle going on behind me. My bad. I did I did hear a meow right before yeah, you we muted. Were, yeah, we, <laughs> We kept hearing that. I'm like, oh, the cat, what the god? Yeah, they just decided at the worst possible time, like, I'm going to battle out right now. <laughs> it's throwdown time. <laughs> Come on, pussy. All right. League of Their Own came out in 1992, was directed by a one Penny Marshall. If you do not know her, you have not seen Laverne and Shirley. You have not or seen Or maybe Happy you Days. have, and you, yeah, or maybe you have seen it, and you didn't know that was her. That's true. It was mm-hmm. Laverne on Laverne and Shirley. Yeah, for those of you not in the know. Yeah, she's uh, 
went on after that to do a lot of directing. Um, yes, a lot. Big was one of hers. Jumpin' Jack Flash is one that she doesn't bring up too much. Big is so good. So is Jumpin' Jack Flash. I love that movie. Oh, Jumpin' Jack Flash sucks. You yeah. suck. It's very divisive. I, I, I'm i kind of in the middle of the opinions on this one. I, I don't think it was great. I don't think it was awful. She, I'm with Pat on this one. This one time, well, we might fight about it. And she just recently... Okay, I hate it now that Mike likes it. <laughs> I've completely flipped. <laughs> She's just, Her last directing thing has been a, a documentary about um, Dennis Rodman. Okay. It's a sad way to end it's, your life. Apparently. <laughs> she going to follow him to Russia to go get I, Brittany Griner? I don't even know. It says like it says Dennis Rodman told Penny that he didn't trust or want anyone else to tell his story, which is <sighs> give me that lady from Big. She, only she can tell my story. Again, like you said before, that's a weird Venn diagram there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that kind of makes sense in a way. Yeah, not really, kinda. I mean, just the way Patrick put it. Only the woman who directed Big can tell the story of Dennis Rodman. Well, honestly, I, this just occurred to me. You do you you understand who one of his good friends is? Madonna. Oh, that's true. Madonna might have been like, "Yeah, you want to you want to talk to this woman? She's great." There you go. Madonna. Madonna did not enjoy her time on the set, but she probably had a lot of respect for Penny Marshall. I bet. Yeah, as did Jonathan Price on uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash. So he definitely recommended it. <laughs> All right, so written. No. This is based on a story. Are you trying to by... say Jonathan Price and Dennis Rodman are friends? Yeah, they could be. Okay, yeah, you they're can't probably prove wrong. <laughs> right. Story by Kim oh. Wilson, who uh, did also something called Lost Flowers of Alice Hart. That was kind of it. Uh, and Kelly Candiel, Kend- uh, who did A League of Their Own, and also did something called When Hope and History Rhymed. So. Really? There's that. But the people we want to talk about are the ones who did the screenplay, which is Lowell Gantz, who was a writer on such things as Splash, Robots, Parenthood, Greedy, um, Fever Pitch, Multiplicity, mm. and a guy who I just love talking about because of his name, Babalu Mandel. Babalu! <laughs> the song was written about him, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, the first time I saw his name, I was like, that's not a real person. That's like the direct, who's who's that director that they put in when they don't want their name in it? Alan Smithy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's an Alan Smithy shit. I'm like, no, apparently it's not. <laughs> so uh, Babalu Mandel is known <laughs> for writing such things as Night Shift, Splash, an episode of Amazing Stories, Gung Ho, uh, wow. Vibes, which yeah. is one of my guilty pleasures. Parenthood, City Slickers, Mr. Saturday Night, Greedy, Forget Paris, Multiplicity, Father's Day. I mean, this guy's got... God, that's those a... two guys, yeah, that is, that is a great career. I love a lot of those movies. Yeah, and also a TV show called Hiller and Diller, which came out in 1999. Is that Benny Hill and, and, and Phyllis Diller? No, but that's not... Nice. watch. It sounds a lot better than what, what it actually is. Uh, Ted Hiller is a sensible, normal family man, while his best friend, Neil Diller, is the absolute opposite, slick, unstable, and sarcastic. And it stars Richard Lewis and Kevin Nielsen. Ooh. Kevin Nealon? Yeah. Nealon, sorry. Oh. Got a wandering yes. Uh, I kind of remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. Hiller so. and Diller is on after Brown Shoes. What was it? Uh, <laughs> brown... Ten Speed and Brown Shoes. Ten Speed yes. and Brown Shoes. <laughs> All right, so currently it's sitting at Rotten Tomatoes with a critics at 81 and audience at 84. No shocker. 
Yeah, right. Uh, it is a 1992 American sports comedy drama directed by Penny Marshall that we talked about uh, that talks about the AAG PBL, which is actually easier to say if you say All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Right. So, it's the one acronym that is not easier. Than... Yeah, it doesn't make it any easier. It has uh, no flow. Yeah, it's inspired by the career of actual baseball legend Dottie Collins. Uh, during World War II, she played for the base, the All-Girls Baseball League, pitched 17 shutouts during her s- six-year career. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, it went on to, as Pat said, grossed over $132.4 million worldwide. Uh, praise for the direction and performances of Hank's. Uh, Tom Hanks, Davis, and uh, O'Donnell in 2012. The film was selected for preservation in the film registry. In wow. Congress. Nice. So, yeah. But, yeah. So, uh, there you go. The crew, casting crew, we've got Tom Hanks as Jimmy Dugan, the drunk and often unruly manager of the of the <laughs> Rockford Peaches. Whoop, whoop. Was that, Eng- was that English? <laughs> um, I just my hometown represent here. Well, not my hometown, but my current living city represent. Uh, Gina Davis as Dorothy Dottie Hinson and Lynn Cartwright as older Dottie. Madonna as all the way May Mortabato. I would say Mortabito as May. Uh, Eunice Anderson as older May. Lori Petty as Kit Keller. Kathleen Butler as older Kit. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell as Doris Murphy. And then they've got Vera Johnson for the older one. Anne Ramsey as Helen Haley. Barbara Pillivan as older. Megan Cavanaugh as Marla Hooch. Patricia Wilson as the older version. Freddie Simpson as Ellen Sue Gotlander, you, with Eugenia McGlynn as the old one. Tracy Reiner, Reiner, sorry, as Betty Spaghetti, with Betty Miller as older one. And Biddy Schram as Evelyn Gardner. Uh, Renee Coleman and Shirley Berkovich both played uh, Alice and Ann Cusack as Shirley, with Barbara Irwin as the older Shirley. So they had double casting on this one because they had to have the older of everybody. Yep. So, Mike, was it the second or third name when you regretted like going through the older name as well? Uh, probably the first one, really. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, like, right after the second one, my, my, the other side of my brain is going, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> I was really... Yeah, I gotta keep going because I can't just stop saying the older yeah. one is in the, middle, in the middle of this. Too late, I'm committed. <laughs> I was riveted. Well, you're also easily amused, Joel, but that's, I thank you for your help. Riveted. Riveted. <laughs> now, moving on to the others in this show. John Lovitz as Ernie oh. Cappadello, the scout, as one of my favorite roles with him. Mm-hmm. The only other one I think may be better, is, but it's a lot shorter, is uh, him in um, The Wedding Singer. Wedding Singer, yeah. Yeah. He's going insane. <laughs> Jack. And I'm reaping all the benefits. Uh, David Strathern as Ira Lowenstein. Gary Marshall. As Walter Harvey, uh, it was actually based off of Philip K. Wrigley, mm. the Wrigley yep. chewing gum. Which it, it's funny. I, I was so surprised. Like We blew right past him before I could say anything. But seeing David Strathern, who is having uh, a career renaissance right now uh, in this, I had forgotten uh, <laughs> that he was in this. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he is in a ton of stuff right now. I mean, yeah. uh, most recently for us on the show, he was in... Oh, the, uh, the circus noir that circus we uh, the Nightmare circus noir Nightmare Alley. Thank you, my my yeah. brain. Oh yeah, that's seen. right. Yeah, he was in that. Uh, he's in the Expanse. Uh, oh, he was in Godzilla too. And he was in <laughs> he's, he's, kind of, he's, he's kind of having this moment in his career where he's transitioning from a character actor into a leading man. Yeah, yeah, good for him. And there was something was... else big that he was in very recently. 
Anyway. anyway. So Julie Cartu is Helen Haley. Bill Pullman coming up in the uh, third act as Bob Hinson, Dottie's husband. Janet Jones, Tia Leone as Racine yeah. First Base. Blink and you miss her. Right. Right. But it, it, it took me half a second. I was like, I know her. <laughs> Wait a second. She's with Wayne. <laughs> I've always uh, liked her. And I, yeah. I can't remember the last time I saw her in anything. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, John S. Davis as Charlie Collins. Eddie John. Jones as Dave Hooch, Marla's father. Another great character actor. And uh, Justin Scheller as Stillwell as Evelyn's son. And, of course, Mark Holton is the guy we recognize as older Stillwell. From Stillwell, Stillwell Angel. Yep. <laughs> Probably remember him from Pee-wee's Big Adventure of Over Anything. Yep. yep. So some trivia. Filming the game scenes involved many physical mishaps. Anne Ramsey, who played Helen Haley, broke her nose with a baseball mitt while trying to catch a ball in a huge bruise seen in the film on the actress Renee Coleman's thigh from that slide reel. Uh, yeah, and lasted, I think they said it lasted for like a year. Jeez. Like, like that took a long time to go away. Uh, discussing the skirts they wore and playing baseball in the film, Gina Davis said on MLB Network's Costas at the Movies in 2013, some of our real cast from Sliding Into Home had ripped the skin off their legs. It was nutty. Yes, I nutty. That's don't know nutty. If that was, yeah, that's not the phrase I would use. Uh, also, Petty claimed to have broken her foot during the filming, but reiterated the, her enjoyment of the shoot and understanding of the importance at the time. So it seems like maybe, everybody got really slapped around, but had a good time doing it. Maybe she meant that the skin itself was nutty. Like she picked up some and tasted it. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Ew. Ew. Mm. <laughs> oh. You taste like walnuts. Um, in the tryout scene, which took place at the fictional Major League Baseball Stadium in Chicago called Harvey Field, was actually filmed at the Chicago Cubs home stadium, Wrigley Field, on which the fictitious Harvey Field is based. The Rockford Peaches home games were filmed at League Stadium in Huntingburg, Indiana, while the championship game against Racine was filmed at Bossy Field in Evansville, Indiana. Uh, other additional games were filmed at Jay Littleton Ballpark in Ontario, California. Now, this is something I've tried to look up because I remember when this movie came out and from what I understand, they did a lot of shooting in Chicago also. I mean, they had a lot of locations in Chicago. In fact, the... Um, What's his name? Uh, Harvey's. Uh, what's his name? Harvey's house is actually just a few miles away from me over here in Wheaton. That that big when he's talking about how he's got the expansive lawns and all that. That place is like maybe five miles where I live. Ah, huh, neat. Yeah. <clears throat> now, I recall hearing from people at Concordia when we were there that the church scene was shot at a church where one of the professors of Concordia actually was a pastor. And that I'm trying to find any sort of veracity to that statement whatsoever but that i i can totally believe that if they're looking for old churches they would come to oak park for a place to you know river forest oak park for a place to film well you do know that the bar scene was filmed at fitzgerald's in berwin yes okay just making sure <clears throat> so also during filming of the world series games stars took their ter turns entertaining the unpaid extras Tom Hanks did puppet shows over the dugout. Rosie O'Donnell did a stand-up comedy for them. And various actors pretended to be Madonna and sang her songs after the singer balked at performing for the fans. I'm sure she loved that. God, could you imagine that? I do this all the time. I'm trying to make a movie to take a break. They're like, no, get up there and sing like a virgin. We want you to sing. Sing your songs. Like, no, uh, honestly. No, I get paid millions of dollars to do that. I don't do it for free. I would love to, I would love to see Tom Hanks singing like a virgin. 
don't know if that was that's i kind of wish we had cell phone cameras back then because that would have been some amazing cuts yeah like i i get patrick's point but like i don't know it seems like a bad look when everyone else is doing their thing for these people that uh they're only they, they get like whatever their daily rate is and uh their name and oh, the no. credits and that's it and no, then they, the didn't Don- even, they didn't even get that they were unpaid they just showed up to be in the background in Obviously, the yeah, they get no money and they get a line in the credits and maybe you blink and you see them and everybody all these stars are doing their thing and madonna's like hard pass yeah, that's, nah. that's not a good look yeah madonna was never interested in her good look though to be honest like <laughs> yeah, you know what i mean like she's never been one to like ask kiss so mm-hmm. never been one leaning on public opinion yeah right. it's like a shanghai surprise <laughs> oh jesus surprise wasn't was made She could have gone up there and oops, her bosoms could have come out. She's not Janet Jackson. (laughs) So I'm assuming this is not a first viewing for any of us. Oh, yeah. That's a good first question. Yeah. The old standard. Nerp. No, no, not at all. This is a this is a pretty important uh, film in this house. Like aside, it's one of the top three or four quoted between uh, Sarah and I. Uh, (laughs) I'm guessing it starts with there's no crying in dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely one of them. Uh, and we are frequently making reference. It, it's funny. There's the scene with Tom Hanks peeing, <laughs> which as I've gotten older, it gets less and less funny because I'm pretty sure on the regular, considering the size of my bladder, I pass what's supposed to be like extended for comedic <laughs> effect. It's like, I, I've, I've been here for literally like four minutes. It's not stopping. What's what's going on? <laughs> Can we also point out that Tom Hanks pees in his movies a lot? Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Money he does. Pet, Green Mile, this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Castaway. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Anyway, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt. But yeah, this it's, like is... Tom, it's like Tom Cruise running. It's just his thing. <laughs> yes, Josh. Okay. I, I have no idea where to go from that. Yeah, okay. But yeah, like, no, I, I remember seeing time. this in the theater and laughing my ass off at it. I mean, it was... I, I from that summer, that time that it was a, it was released, I remember it being in the theaters for a long time. Okay, yeah. Spoiler alert for the for the end of the show. This is one of my top favorite movies. It's probably in like my top twenty favorite movies of all time. Really? Huh. I love this movie. That's huh. high praise from you. Yeah. I, I, I'm there too. I mean, there are basically. I'm not into sports movies, and this is one of two baseball movies that I will watch pretty much at any time. What's the other one? Major, Major League. League. You know, oh, okay. 100%. It had to be either that or or like Bull Durham, one or the other. Eight men out. Not a fan of Bull Durham. Yeah. I'm just saying it had to be a, a classic, like well-known, this is the standard baseball movie, you know. A field of trees. Yeah. This is this is probably my favorite sports movie just after Air Bud. <laughs> Stop it. Shut up. No, this Cut is it out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No. This was just like a sweet spot for the casting on this one. I mean, like everybody all the way down to um, uh, what's her name? Who they, they showed her out in the middle of the field. Oh, Marla. Marla. Marla Hooch. I mean, Marla Hooch. And how about Marla Hooch? What a hitter. <laughs> and her. I mean, this was, by the way, this was the first time in like, I don't know how many viewings that I realized that that was Harry Shearer doing all the doing voiceovers the in the newsreels. Yeah. Oh. Like it, it was, it's just one of those things. I've always just been so caught up in the movie itself while it's just running. I never, but this was the first time I was like, "Oh crap, that's Harry Shearer." I could see that, you know. Yeah. yeah. 
It, you I mean, just he's kind so of familiar out. with his voice. Yeah. Yeah, but but he's so good at just like making his voice just sound so just normal and whatever. And like, I mean, like, hey, like, I'm just a guy talking. Yeah, I mean, I, I was talking about like Marla Hooch, you know, played by Megan Cavanaugh. Was you could have had her as being like this one note. Yeah, she's with she's really great hitter, but she's ugly, and they just kept playing that joke. But then they go to the roadhouse. Yeah. And oh, she, that scene. Oh, that scene, especially with the sax player crying as she's singing. <laughs> yeah, that whole scene is so great. They're like, what did you do to her? <laughs> Gave her a dress and a lot of alcohol. No, it, I mean, that's it, what I think is that they, they everybody on yeah, the team, you are. Like Betty Spaghetti, <laughs> uh, all the other players, they all had a brief moment where they were able to highlight their skills. Like, uh, which one was it? Was it was it Betty Spaghetti that did that was in the uh, no crying no, that's Evelyn. Evelyn. Okay, so like every one of them, they they the nobody was a one note thing. You're still missing the cutoff. That's something I'd like you to work on before next season. <laughs> this uh, now, movie also has the distinction of being the only thing of value associated with Rosie O'Donnell and Rockford. Hey. <laughs> Don't talk smack about Rosie O'Donnell. No. <laughs> I appreciate that. I you know I don't know that I would put this in, in in quite as high esteem as as the two of you. However, I do love this movie. I've seen it multiple multiple times. And yes, being a Rockfordian, it is a thing around here. Um, Midway Village Museum. There's a whole section for the peaches, and uh, you know there's you. It's just part of the culture around here. So uh, yeah, Joel, I I know the feeling. I live in a town where that was highlighted in a movie, but they never filmed anything in it either. Right? Doesn't that suck? Especially, oh, like, hey, you live in Aurora. That's the Wayne's World one. Do you ever get to see that car tower? Yeah, that's nowhere near Aurora. It's closer to where we went gone. to college. <laughs> yeah, right. I, well, that, and that's why when I heard they were doing the series, I'm like, oh, cool. Maybe they'll actually come shoot some stuff here. No, no, because they send scouts out and they're like, yeah, Taco Bell. There's, what else? Nothing but corn a, in Rockford. Yeah, we're we're well, uh, we're going for method. Great Depression, not just regular depression. Yeah. <laughs> Shooting the Rockford movie in Rockford? Not on my watch. <laughs> Joel, I have a question for you. This actually came to mind when I was out. I was out in Branson, and there was like you know have the billboards for all the different shows. You got so and so the magician, so and so this actor, this you know the Presleys and Yakov Smirnoff, and then there's a then there's a billboard that says meth. Just don't do it, please. You know, it's like a don't do meth ones tucked in the middle of all the billboards. Do you have any in Rockford? Any don't do meth signs? I thought you were asking it's... if do you have any meth in Rockford? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, that's a yes. given. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I'm just wondering if they're like, like, advertising for meth. <laughs> like, hey, you... hey, my name's Bob. I sell meth. Call me. <laughs> you live in Rockford. Here's some meth. <laughs> Need a quick buck? Got to go pick up my weekly meth allotment from the government. And Joel, if you did not see this coming, considering <laughs> this movie was set in Rockford, you have not been paying attention. <laughs> Wait, who the what now? I was I just saying, like if, if you didn't see the uh, free oh, fire no, off on Rockford coming. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I did. I did. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, this, this is a... This is a near perfect movie. There's a lot of just there's there's not a lot of dead spots. The dialogue is great. The action is good. The the plot is good. Every you know there's mm-hmm. all the characters are rounded enough that they're they're not just one dimensional. There's no enough baseball in it. You know, I mean, you're there to see a baseball movie, and there's yeah. actually a lot of baseball. What are we supposed to do? Send the boys back coming from from war back to the kitchen? <laughs> I love the way I love the way he says war war. <laughs> anyway, 
I could quote this movie all night because it's just so it's so it's so fun and so quotable and just and you got Tom Hanks, you know, you can't go wrong, right? Who's yeah? Who just he's just and his Tom Hanksiest. He's a national John, treasure. John love it. I'm gonna go back to my house, have a shower, give the wife a little pickle tickle, and then be on my way. Go. I hate it when they get attached. <laughs> See, the way it works is the train moves, not the station. <laughs> It's like they gave him the script and like, what what should my, you know, what what sort of character, just do what you do, John. Apparently he had a much bigger role and all they, and the audience loved his comedy, his comedic lines so much they just cut everything else. Oh, yeah. that's both like a compliment and a, like a curse, you know? Right. Yeah. We liked you so much, we're cutting down your part. <laughs> when he's in the train talking to the sales guy, <laughs> if I had I your would... job, I'd shoot myself. <laughs> Let me go see if they got a gun. <laughs> Why does he sound uh, like Groucho? John Lovitz is only like one step to the left of Groucho Marx. Yeah. Like, why does he sound like Groucho? Because John Lovitz sounds like Groucho. Have you not noticed? <laughs> he's, no. He's like Groucho Marx on auto-tuned. Oh. T.I., what have you done? <laughs> I can't blame T.I. So, yeah. I mean, really, there's not a whole lot to talk about with this movie as far as like, because it, it's just, I have nothing to offer it but praise. Yeah. And I, I hate for this to be one of those, like, where everybody's in we favor keep of something. It. Yeah. We don't want to have a, a Farley moment. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when you've got something that has so many genres going on, that for some people, uh, like, I'm picky about comedies. Not everyone is into period pieces. Uh, there's just a lot going on with it. It's a sports movie, which not everybody's into. Right. Right. Like but the fact think, that it succeeds on every one of those levels is something worth talking about, I think. Well, yeah, and I think the fact that they it's more than just like, oh, we're going to play the sport, that sort of thing. It's the uh the conflict between the two sisters, between Dottie and uh her younger sister, like there's that competition from that they give at the very outset of the very first scene of the movie that you realize that there's this, you know, butting heads and you know, the, the little bit of animosity that the younger, younger uh, sister has because she just got taken along because Dottie came along. You know, she has to prove herself. I mean, they, there's multiple threads going through, multiple plots going through. The one one uh, um, player... Who I, was gonna say, I was going to say real quick, uh, Lori, Lori Petty does a great job of, of playing the little sister who's just trying to get out of her big sister's shadow. She does yeah. a really good job of that. She does a great job at that. You know, so you've got, like Josh said, you've got a little bit of everything for everyone in this. I mean, if you want to go see a sports movie and, you know, you want to go see a sports movie, but somebody else, your you know, wife or girlfriend or whatever wants to go see something else that's a little bit more dramatic. This is a perfect date movie, you know, because everybody comes out of it happy for what the plot and what the whole writing has given you. And there's a lot of life lessons in it, too. Like, avoid the clap. <laughs> The strange hearts, but you're not wrong. Yeah, the heart is what makes it good. That whole scene is is, is a great scene. Glad to know that's what you got out of this. <laughs> so are the people he dated. Ooh, jeez. Hey, hey, we you don't know, you you sign the NDA. You keep your mouth shut. I'm not naming names. You just named me. Well, you're, you're here. not a name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> nice. And on that note, you want to take a break and we'll come back and talk about uh, League of Their Own 2022? Sounds good. All right. We'll be back in a little bit and do what I just said. <laughs> oh, the thing. The thing. Smooth as silk again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Let's riding a bike. Work.
2022 Amazon Prime theater production company stuff. <laughs> what? <laughs> Amazon decided that they're going to make a League of Their Own TV show. Uh, this is created by Will Graham, who you may know from such things as Movie 43. <laughs> and Did he invent the crackers? I'm sorry, Joel. Joel uh, took over there for a moment. I, no, you, you no. <clears throat> uh, no, that's not. No. You're not blaming me. Not on my watch. <laughs> Don't you put that evil on him, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Fine, I will own up to that one. I loved it. God. Give me some more. <laughs> uh, Worth it for that joke. Uh, all right. Moving on. <laughs> He's also done The Onion, Onion Sports Dome, and The Onion News Network stuff. So before this, lots of Onion. Hmm. Also written by Abby Jacobson, who mm-hmm. also plays um, Carson. Carson Shaw in this one and plays does the voice of Bean from Disenchantment and yep. did the voice of Katie from Mitchell and the Machines. Yep. And Broad City... And does the voice of Emily from BoJack Horseman. Mm-hmm. Something called Pickle and Peanut. I don't know what the hell that is. Delicious. Yeah, she's been in a lot of comedy stuff. Yeah. A lot of, yeah, lot, of lot of voice stuff, too. So She's got chops. Right now, it's sitting at 94.84 for critics and viewers on Rotten Tomatoes. And a League of Their Own's American period sports comedy drama uh, adaptation of the 1990 film with new characters and storylines all about the World War II era's professional baseball team. So like I said before, we've got in the main cast, Abby ja- a- Abby Jacobson as Carson Shaw, the team's catcher. Shante Adams as Maxine Max Chapman, a pitcher trying to break into professional baseball. Darcy Carden as Greta Gill. Gamboza Ikumulo. Yeah, Josh- man, I'm not going to try and correct you on that one. Gemmy Bo- I'm trying yeah, really I'm hard not on sure this. I'm sure how one. the GB is actually pronounced. Be- uh, Bemisola? Yeah, Maybe I would guess it's G. Bemisola. Yeah, you're probably Yeah, that's right. what I was going to say. Bemisola would be my guess. Yeah. As Clance Morgan, Max's best friend and comic book artist. Roberta Calendres as Lupe Garcia. Kelly McCormick as Jess McCready. Priscilla Delgado as Esti Gonzalez, a young Cuban player who I thought was actually pretty hilarious. Molly Ephraim as Maybell Fox. Melanie Field as Joe DeLuca. Kate Berlant as Shirley Cohen. Who uh, looks kind of like uh, Catherine Hahn's uh, illegitimate sister or something to me. She's pretty funny, though. She's good. She's she's big right now. Yeah. yeah. Is she the one that's in the, the Amazon buying school supplies commercial that you see? Where she's sitting at the table talking about gas prices with the little girl? Uh, that's not a or commercial maybe I've the, seen. Yeah. Same. Okay. Well, moving on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, re- recurring, you have Alex Deserte as Edgar Chapman, Maxine's supportive father. Sadia Akara Yukulona as Tony Chapman, Maxine's mother, and a hair salon owner who does not support her dreams to play baseball. Nat Faxon as Marshall. Speaking Dale. of disenchantment, Nat Faxon is also on that show. Oh, what voice does he do? Uh, I forgot the name of the damn demon. Uh, oh, he does a little, the little, uh, the thing. <sighs> yeah, the demon, the demon that's like one dimensional, and I, I can't believe I forgot his name. We love that show here. He does Elfo. Which oh no, he's Elfo, right? Not the demon. Is not, which is not the demon. He also does yes. a voice on Solar Opposites too. Funny um, guy. Dale Dickey as Beverly, the chaperone. Aaron Jennings as Guy, Clance's husband. Kendall Johnson as Gary. Leah Robinson as Bert Hart. 
Patrice Covington as Gracie. And then some guest stars. We've got Kevin Dunn, Nancy Lian, Nick Offerman as the coach of the Rockford Peaches and her former professional baseball player. Probably huh, so he's oh. a so he's a guest star. I didn't get far enough. Like I figured he was like main Recurrent. cast. Yep. Yeah. Because I'm sure Joel watched all of them twice. Uh, we did watch all eight episodes, yeah. Yeah. And no, he is not a, he's a short-term character. Patrick J. Adams is Carson's husband and soldier on active duty, Charlie. Rosie O'Donnell is V, the owner of a gay bar. Anita Winslow and Marquis Vazon are also on there as guest stars. So some trivia on this one. This is actually the second attempt to adapt the 1992 movie to a league of their own into a TV series. The first was a CBM sit CBM <laughs> sitcom <laughs> featuring Megan Kavanaugh as Marla Hooch and Tracy Rayner as Betty Spaghetti reprising the roles they've played in the movie. Only three episodes of the series aired. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I only Nick, knew about it because I looked up Tracy Reiner, wondering how she was related to Carl Reiner. And, and how are they related? You know, oh, she's Penny Marshall's daughter. And when Penny Marshall and uh, Rob Reiner got married, he adopted her. Oh, wow. ah, cool. Okay. I did not know that. Good trivia so, also. Nick Offerman, who is, plays uh, Casey Dove Porter, is an ex-Cubs pitcher turned coach and is real life diehard Cubs fan. That's, you know, yep. there's a lot of them out there. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, Max's character is actually an amalgamation of three real-life black women players in the Negro Leagues. Tony Stone, Mari... Mamie. Mamie Johnson. That was a bunch of R's too close to <laughs> Con And Connie Morgan. So there you go. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, aside from the guest stars, like, really, in terms of, like, celebrity draw, it's probably uh, Darcy Carden. Like, right. Janet. Uh, yeah, Janet from The Good Place. She was like the first person I recognized, and it was nice to see her in something else, uh, kind of a different role. For sure. And she fits into this cast and this role so well. Like She does. She looks like a 1930s pinup girl, naturally. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, this uh, was really interesting. Uh, there's, I, I have some different feelings about different parts of it, but one of the things that is strong about doing this as both a comedy and a drama is you have such a large cast that the series format allows each of the characters to have like episodes that delve like into who they are and really work the relationships between two or three characters in more than just a two minute scene, which is about all you can hope for, for character development moments in a movie. And it's also interesting, just as a side note, speaking of characters that they, once again, since they're not directly adapting uh, the the story of the peaches themselves, the actual peaches. It's not Wrigley Field again. It's it's another. Was it Har? Is it Harvey from the first one? And it's or is it Harvey from this one? Uh, no, Harvey was from the first one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This well, I this one they they chose a different name again. And yeah, I, I noticed that. Yeah. It was strange. Yeah, yeah well, they, I can't think of what the name was. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm, yeah, I, I can't, can't remember not, not that, that guy old, who's like, the, the other guy who's supposed to be Wrigley. Yes, right. The other, not Wrigley. It's Mr. <laughs> Wrigley, Mister Anyone but Wrigley. Sorry, Josh, I I derailed your your thought. Yeah, whatsoever. it's gone. Like I'm, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I was mostly there anyway, so you're fine. Okay. Oh, I th I think it lends itself well to the episodic format because when I first heard about it, I was like, hmm, what are they going to do with this? And I'm thinking they're going to go more like what the original attempt was at a as a uh, you know like a. 10 episode sitcom where they're kind of playing up the the funnier side of it instead of kind of the the drama the comedy and the uh 
I don't know what else you want to throw in there. Uh, but th- this took a total kind of left turn and came at it from a different angle, which I think probably a lot has to do with uh, Abby Jacobson's input into the series and the kind of take they wanted to go with it. Uh, but it, if you, since you haven't watched all the way through, they do end it in such a way that season two is possible. And there's, uh, from what I was reading, that uh, they've already started working on scripts for a second season, if you like it. Well, they're working on it whether we like it or not. Right. Yeah, but I mean, I'm I saying if you enjoyed it and wanted to watch more, there is more potentially coming. Yeah, I don't think they're going to call us and ask. Yeah, I would say overall, you know, for the most part, I I liked this show. I've, I've, I've gotten up to the third episode so far. And, you know, like Josh said, it's got a lot of, you know, it's got some good points. It's got some some bad stuff. You know, I mean, there's some some of the side plot stuff I don't I just did not care about. Like, you know, for instance, I don't care about one of the main characters, best friends attempt to find crab for her husband's and hers housewarming party like that whole plot line i just had zero interest in that you know and i i got eventually what they were going for i think with the scene in the deli where she finally but like it's just i'm i'm getting kind of like i found myself by the end of the third episode like like ready for her to join the team already i'm like i'm tired of these side plot little missions for her like we all know you're going to end up on the team let's just get it done like, I don't need to see you working in the factory. I don't need to see you buying crabs. I don't need to see you, you know, arguing with your mother again in the beauty shop. Like, just get on the team already. Uh, well, and that's an interesting thing because that's what we said as we watched it. And her storyline, if you stick with it, parallels in a different way and might not go where you think it's going to go. Uh I mean, as long as it has a payoff at the end, it'll be fine, I guess. It does. I, am, I do plan on watching the whole series. It does. That's, just, yeah. That's kind of where I am, too. This was uh, a busy week, so I didn't get as deep into the show as I wanted to. And uh, I said that, like, one of the strengths of the episodic format is the ability to delve into the characters. I think one of the issues I had with them is that while what's being said about the characters in terms of gender and in terms of race and what was going on at the time and what's maybe even still going on now. That's all important stuff, but I don't know how much of this is new, that it isn't stuff I haven't seen time and time again uh, and in a lot of ways executed better. So that that's the thing is it's like, I liked the content. I think it's valuable content. I wish it had been fresher versions of that same valuable content instead of the same thing I've seen over the last 10, 20 years in other media. I mean, I think it's interesting that they are using this vehicle to tell these stories. Um, and I, I, I think it's, it's also kind of interesting in the context of the time when the stories take place, some of the realities that these people had to, to face both as minorities or, uh, you know, women, women. just in general, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the male kind of dominated society, not only for uh, everything, but then when you start factoring in, you know, you don't speak the language or, you know, you're uh, African-American or any number of other things. It just, it, it's kind of, it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> I mean, cause you see a lot of these stories told from the, the, the male perspective, but you don't often see it, something that's such a male dominated sport and a male dominated society from that female perspective. Um, and I mean, yeah, we got, and we got hooked into it. 
it, and, and it, I, I'm starting. I'm starting to get that feeling. Like as as more and more characters get more and more character development, they all keep turning. You know, turns out, hey, turns out she's a lesbian. Hey, turns out she's a lesbian. I feel like I'm starting to watch queer as fuck. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> not, not not this Michael, but Michael what? Michael Scott. <laughs> he's he's quoting Michael Scott. <laughs> That's an office quote. Yeah. Oh, okay. like, I watch queer as fuck. <laughs> That's not what it's called. That's what he said. Uh, I will give this credit. The original, uh, much as I love it, definitely had a, hey, we're still making a mass market comedy take on, yes, we want this to be about women and how much they struggled, but not so much as we offend anybody. And Mm -hmm. this is going to take that a little further to its credit. So I, I know that I was like saying, I, I've seen all this before, maybe done better, but I do want to give credit where it's due. Yeah. And I will say the appearance of Rosie O'Donnell, if you get that far, if you decide to continue, was was one of my favorite parts. Her episode, when she comes into the story, no matter how small her part is, that episode was, was by far my favorite and uh, kind of gave me a new appreciation for, for Rosie. I've never been a huge fan. Uh, she's fine, but I kind of saw her in a different light. And so, yeah, if you keep going, I'd be curious to see what you think about that one. So, Mike, yeah, we, we've been sort of dominating the conversation. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm been. just, I'm, I'm just floating along. I mean, I, it's, I don't know. I, I'm missing some of the some of the plot lines that we had from the original movie. Like, I, I enjoyed the whole competition between the sisters from the first one. And there's a couple things in this that, like, the main character they go out for the first night out in the town, and suddenly she's become a lesbian. You know, uh, I don't think that's how that works. When, well, when, when when the one she pinned her in the back room and she was no, like, the, the point is, she didn't suddenly become a lesbian. She suddenly figured it out. Did she? I just yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just yeah. seemed like first night on the town, a woman who's been married for so many years suddenly does this. It seemed very out of character for this whole situation. It just well, seemed I, kind of to me I think, like, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I just no. I just think that was a very forced situation i mean if you if you want to have that plot line go through it's not something that i think would be first night out couple drinks now i you know now i've switched sides oh my god i totally never knew i think it would take a little bit longer than that well and we got to remember that we only saw in montage what happened with the two of them drinking and uh uh her writing to her husband and she's also it is something that that goes throughout the whole length of the series. Like they're they're trying to figure out the what their relationship is. If it you know so that it's not like it just the switch was turned and and, and now I'm a lesbian. Right, and, and a point is made that she's claiming she doesn't remember what happened the night before, and uh, it, it, the, it's directly stated. I I I think you actually do remember. And she's not going to let her take that easy out of, wow, that was crazy and I don't remember any of it. And, so and again, think, I'm, I'm only three episodes in, so I don't know how they resolve it either. You know? Yeah, I, I think the development that maybe you're missing is something that is definitely implied in that, mo- in that drunken montage in the hotel lobby. You gotta okay. have a montage. <laughs> and they do revisit it and kind of uh, bring a little more context to it where um, I think that uh, sorry, I had to look up her name. Greta is kind of picking up on something or seeing something or maybe just takes a shot in the dark uh, with Carson. But anyway, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Though, uh, did you recognize the guy at the front desk at the, the lobby scene? 
I remember no. Laura pointed something out to me from uh, and now I only can't murder, remember. Only murders in the building. Yes. Who was he in Only Murders? Was he in season one? Because he's can't... in all he's... the seasons. He's the guy with the, with all the cats. He's the yodeler. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. I cannot think of his name all of a sudden, but yes, that dude. What is his name? Ah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, that, that, guy guy. From, that guy that guy the guy from always you know from only murders in the building yeah that from was that always guy. murders in the sunny philadelphia building yes always murders <laughs> i wish i could think of his name bernard no i hope he doesn't listen to the show joel you're he's gonna murder me <laughs> remembering your name not on my watch yeah <laughs> ah yeah, yeah, yeah um now he's trying to look it up oh, yeah no nah, it's all right howard howard, howard. Morris. yes howard the cat guy Yes. Yeah. And I, rec- I recognize him as soon as he spoke. He's got that. He's got a very distinct. You are correct. And he, he had a fun little part. It was just, you know, it's a little cameo, but yeah. it was it was well worth it and very enjoyable because he's one of the one of the characters I really enjoy on Only Murders in the Building. But we already did that show. If anybody's interested. We did we that did show? Only Murders in the Building, Joe? No, we didn't. Didn't we? We did that. No, no we did not we've do never that. Done that. Did we, talk- we just talked about it a lot, I well, guess. We talked I about we it. Did. I think. The, the issue is we didn't have a really good then for it. True. Because yeah. we were talking about it before it came out and we got all excited and then it happened and we were talking about it behind the scenes and I just was so excited about it and enjoyed talking about it. You that can't do that to me, man. Because <laughs> I thought we did an episode. I thought I had another week that I just completely lost. <laughs> we should have just let that go. Uh, uh, okay. My mistake. Yeah. Not on my watch. <laughs> but yes. So there you go. I mean, I'm... I don't know. I, 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 I've been watching a couple of this, you know, a couple of the episodes. I can't say I'm totally into it, but at the same time, I'm going with going out on a limb on this one again, saying this one probably isn't written for me. I think that's fair. Yeah. I, uh, I, I want to say that I'm going to finish this for sure. Cause I did enjoy uh, what I saw of it. I just like, there's so much media and so much going on. I, I want to make time for. It. I'm right. afraid it may be a while before I finish. Yeah, I mean, and, and especially like you know, in the evenings, we'll turn on, you know, sit down to watch something. Well, what do you want to watch? Well, how about the old man? Well, we finished the old man. How about mm-hmm. this? Well, we finished that. How about that? We haven't watched that in three months. We'd have to start over from the beginning again. Well, <laughs> I don't have that kind of time. Yeah, and Sarah and I pretty much only watch TV together on Fridays. Uh, so, like, after watching the new She-Hulk, uh, th- this was what we were watching. And, uh, like I said, I I did enjoy it. I just fear I'm not going to find the time to get, though Joel did in, encourage me, intrigue me a little bit, like saying that while I thought that uh, so far I haven't seen anything new, there are some ways the plot goes that are maybe not what you might think. That actually piques my interest a little bit. So yeah, I think maybe I'm I'll have finish to it, give it a shot. I think I'm going to finish it, but I'm not in a rush to finish it. I'm not, uh, I don't. I don't feel like it's grabbed me like a lot of shows do. But I, I definitely want to watch the rest of it. And one yeah. thing that it has going for it is that you know it, it, there there's only eight episodes in the season, so it, you know you, it's a shorter season than some stuff. Uh, if you decide to continue on down the path, you know. Well, plus it's not on Netflix, so it's not almost guaranteed to be canceled on a cliffhanger. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, really, I really do yeah. like Darcy Carden. Like, I I like her a lot. So the fact that she's you know kind of leading the show makes me want to give it a shot. Agreed. And she she does a really good job because you know you see her as Janet and she's a a side character, but she's so kind of like out front that you you're excited when you see her on the show. 
um, when she pops up and here she has a chance to shine. And she, like you said, she looks like she belongs from that era. Mm -hmm. Mm. Absolutely. So I agree. I will give you that. You, they, with falling into the period piece, outside of a couple of what was the one fuckity fuck or fucking fuckers or whatever it is they said on the train, there's a couple times where I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm, there's there's a little uh, nomenclature that I'm pretty sure wasn't used that often back then, but fine, whatever. Everything else seems pretty solid for this is in the, this is set in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's kind of hard to say because like... Whenever you're looking at a period piece, sometimes they write stuff that feels authentic and isn't. And then you get into, well, I'm not a historian specifically of that era, specifically of that subculture in that time, in that place. So yeah, you could be right. It might be anachronistic or maybe it feels anachronistic and is entirely the way it would have been. Like, Mm -hmm. like that's kind of like the situ- the situation with Deadwood. Everybody was like, "No way that they talk like this." And then they show them all the journals that they used. Like, no, these these motherfuckers talk like that. <laughs> and there are some moments that do feel a little like uh, they were written by a modern person who didn't maybe yeah, do sure. all their research. Mm-hmm. And I know that that comes up where some of the stuff that is most historically accurate looks like a huge anachronism. Like you've got weird names. There was a really modern sounding name, and I can't remember it now, that turns out that it was like a super common name in the 17th century. And you never see it in a period piece because everyone's just like, I I know this isn't it, but it's like Braden. There were no Bradens (laughs) back then, but it's definitely one of those like that where like, no, this was actually a super common name, but you won't see it in entertainment because it'll flip everyone's bullshit switch, even though it is authentic. Yeah, you'll you'll trigger off a bunch of actually, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> where, where it's at this point, it's like just safest to go with what appears authentic as opposed to what is authentic, I guess is the point I was getting yeah. around to. Yeah. So, all right. All right. Good point. So uh, you want to do thumbs up, thumbs down? Yeah, yeah I think we're there. I think we're yes, there. Yes. Joel, what about you? Uh, well, for the original, obviously, got to be a thumbs up. And for this show, uh, since I watched all eight episodes, I got to say it's a thumbs up as well. Hmm. I'm uh, I'm right with Joel. I've met an enthusiastic thumbs up for the original and a more measured thumbs up. Uh, I, I, It definitely would not be a thumbs down for me. Uh, but how enthusiastic my thumbs up remains to be seen uh, depending on how much more of this I watch. And how enthusiastic, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> it will I'm, never I'm come up like, again. I'm, I'm like almost a complete just ditto of what Josh just said. Yeah, like I mean, obviously enthusiastic thumbs up for the original and a, a thumbs up, but I don't know exactly how high that thumb is going to get or you know, it's not going to be a thumbs down, I don't think. Oh, your thumbs are plenty high along with the rest <laughs> of you. <laughs> Funny, I get that. I got that reference, <laughs> but yeah, it's not, I mean, I, at most it would end up being a thumb sideways. I don't think it would end up ever being like a thumbs down. Yeah. I'm, I'm giving a thumbs up again, thumbs up for the first one. And I'm going to go with a side thumb. I, I need, I, I'm, I'm for the amount of uh, what I've watched. I need a little bit more to, to hook me on it, but, uh, so yeah. that's fair. Yeah, for sure. You got an ambivalent yeah. thumb. <laughs> ambivalent thumb. I got a and pinky. You should get that checked out. Uh, oh. Did you get the ambivalent <laughs> thumb? Did I? Not on my watch. That's why I'm walking like a cowboy. <laughs> Ouch. 
All right. So if you have your thoughts on a league of their own, like maybe we missed something in the original, we blew past a point that you wanted to make, or you wished we talked about, or you have your own opinions on the Amazon series, uh, let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And uh, if you'd like to hear our back catalog, you can find them on your favorite podcast apps, such as Blueberry or Pandora. You can also leave us reviews on Amazon, on Apple, and on Google Podcasts. And you can also support us through the Kofi link in the show notes and help us keep our hosting costs uh, kind of down the street. But uh, Joel... Now that we're back, what do we have planned for the next few weeks? What's coming up? What do we have? Uh, we're going to be maybe talking some Top Gun, some Dirty Dancing, House Party, The Day the Earth Stood Still, Valley Girl, Man Who Fell to Earth, uh, Firestarter, Ghost in the Shell, Alita, Battle Angel. I don't know. The hits just keep coming, man. I thought we have to cancel House Party. Why? Because there's the jammy jam? Didn't, didn't no, it's not coming out. It was, yeah. oh. it, was, it was killed by HBO along, alongside Batgirl. Oh. Damn yeah. it. Well, yeah, then it looks I guess like it's not coming out. House party has been canceled. Whew. So just Oof. like our only murders in the building show, it is no longer going to exist. I, I will toss this out here for, I think, which would be a very interesting show. They are redoing All Quiet on the Western Front. Ooh. That's very different from House Party, but we can try and make them work. Kid and play are in it. <laughs> <laughs> Why is everybody shooting at us? Not on my watch. <laughs> yeah, All Quiet on the Western Front and uh, going to be out on uh, Netflix with Daniel Brühl. It's, yeah, d- directed by Edward Berger. I liked the book. I never saw the movie. Yeah, it's, well, it's definitely hmm. going to be a hefty one. It's like two and a half, three hours long. So Yikes. Yep. So there you go. Boop. Yes, we are glad to be back. Same into the, you know, glad to know that all the same things are happening. It's wonderful. We're glad to be back talking to you guys. And uh, again, thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week. Not on my watch. (laughs) That was ominous. No, I'm just saying, like, if all you want to do is talk about the freaks on the island. Well, but like, say, let's say like the military comes because there's a certain ore on the island that they are trying to mine for bomb making and Kong's got to stop them or, uh, yeah, I don't know. No making bombs on my watch. Exactly. Unobtainium. Exactly. Or maybe they, there's like a giant snake that's, uh, uh, attacking a cruise ship off the coast and Godzilla's got to go save snakes on my watch. Or nobody constricts on my watch. <laughs> maybe Godzilla's looking for a nice pair of khakis for a wedding he's going to. And, you know, the whole episode's about him no trying to get old pants on, on my watch. <laughs> maybe he's at a Chinese restaurant and he's waiting for his table. And, no chopsticks you know, on my watch. <laughs> no, no dim sum on my watch. <laughs> maybe he's at the opera and he's got a Pez dispenser and he makes it applaud and then he's laughing. And so then, you know, Seinfeld on my watch. Uh, Maybe he has to get his prostate checked because he's over 50. No, 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 on my I maybe, think we've lost the momentum. Maybe his friend Godzilla is coming for lunch and he realizes he doesn't have any brie. What's that one? Thank you. See, she knows. No. She knew exactly what to say. Well, fondue on my watch. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> 
Oh. In the meantime, I Josh think, has I think Josh has quit. Josh has quit, and he went back to bed. I went back <laughs> like, to bed. 